This podcast is brought to you by EverythingVoluntary.com. My name is Skylar Collins, and this is Thinking and Doing. In this podcast, I examine logical fallacies, cognitive biases, stoic teachings from masters past and present, and tips on being better at life. I hope it will be as instructive to you as it is to me in the pursuit of thinking and doing well. If you'd like to kick back a small commission from every Amazon purchase you make at no extra cost to you, please use and bookmark our special link at AmazonEVC.com. That's AmazonEVC.com. Hello and welcome to Thinking and Doing. We're going to review some life pro tips some tips at being better at life, if you will, in this episode. I have I have six of them pulled up. I usually don't want to do six. However, there are two sets that are similar. So I've really got sort of four themes, I guess we'll say. In my notes, when I cycle through these episode types, what I have is three X, three times, do three life pro tips. And then as I'm going through the life pro tips subreddit, I usually end up pulling maybe 15 up and then I go through them again and I'm like, ah, this one's kind of short, not quite as interesting that I thought the first time I read it and I get rid of it. So I whittle it down and now I've got six in front of me and it just so happens that in one set, two of them are similar enough. They're kind of the same theme and then two others are similar enough. They're kind of the same theme. So look, I'm closer to three than to six. (laughs) But hey, if you're listening to the podcast, then, you know, you like something about it which I appreciate. Uh, Maybe it's me. Maybe it's what I talk about. And thank you for that. And also, you know, maybe you can't have too many life pro tips. I think these things are interesting. I think I can say a thing or two about them and fill out this episode. So that's what we'll do. And that's that's not me expressing sorrow for it. I'm not sorry. But it is an apology in the ancient sense, apologia. It's a defense of what I'm about to do. So, now that that's out of the way, here we go. Here's the first one. And some of these, you know, may be shorter than others. Now, these days, I'm not working in an office. I'm not working for anybody. I do independent contractor work, and all of my devices, my computer, my network, my phone, I own those. I don't have any software that anybody else, to my knowledge, that anybody else can use to track what I'm doing. However, you might work in an office. And if you work in an office and you use your company's computers or cell phones or any other device, you should be aware that you have absolutely no privacy. Uh, The company, your company, the people you work for own the devices, they own the network, and they may monitor every email you send, every website you visit, and everything that you do. This is just knowledge that everybody who works in an office, who works with somebody else's devices, computers, cell phones, so forth, should be aware of. And they should be aware of it so that they can be careful about what they send. Okay, it would it would be difficult. Some things could be very difficult to explain if they're brought up. Why did you send this? You know? So if you want to communicate with a colleague, for example, about something totally unrelated to work, 
it's probably a good idea to get their personal email address. And from your personal email account, your Gmail, um, you know, you can send it to them. Now, I don't know. I mean, every company is going to be different. As far as the email sent through their .com, right, through your work email, that's all going to be easily viewed by the people in IT and by management if necessary. If you're if you've got, you know, your work open, but you also happen to have your own personal email open like Gmail in another tab, in another window on the computer, and you're sending emails from there, they can probably see that you're in Gmail, but Gmail has its own security, right? Its own uh, security layer. And they probably can't see specifically the emails you're sending privately. So they may or may not have a problem with you having Gmail open. If you're keeping your eye on your personal email, maybe not. So, you know, people... You know, people in uh, people in IT obviously can see it. People in who people who work for companies or in industries that do software probably are very familiar with with all of this. But regular folks who just you know happen to be using their computer in a in an office or receptionist or bookkeeping or some other you know customer support capacity may not realize. So be careful. That's that's the first uh, life pro tip. Um, and that was by this user MVS Open. So I'll, um, yeah, I'll link to these as I think I, I do for these episodes because there's usually a lot of really good comments after that. Sometimes people have horror stories and stuff like that on, you know, when they, when they miss this advice <laughs> and they got in trouble for it. So I'll link to the original source. And okay, the next two, um, these are related. So I'll go through each of them says, to be more productive, it can be helpful to think of your future self as a separate person who can, you can do favors for. I like that. It says, it can be easier to feel motivated to help others rather than helping yourself. For example, if you don't want to do dishes in the evening, but you know how bad it makes you feel when you wake up in the morning and see a sink full of dishes, you can think of doing the dishes as a way of helping out your future self, not to feel bad in the morning rather than thinking about it as a task you just don't feel like doing at the moment. I like that. Um, it's one of those things where you can, you can think about your past self and maybe a failure or a mistake and you can kind of feel annoyed or get angry at your past self as if it was another person who did this to you, <laughs> right? And you were, you were a different person. Every moment that goes by, you are a different person because you're changed, your environment changes, cumulative, you, cumulatively, you are different. So what you've done in the past, it's, it is like a different person has done it, but it has an effect on you in the now. And in that same way, what you do now will have an effect on you in the future. So I agree with this, that it can be really helpful to think about what it is you're doing today and how that will affect you later, tomorrow, six months from now, a year from now. I sometimes think back to times when I had like an exercise routine. And I did it for a while, a while, okay, maybe a couple of weeks, maybe a couple of months. And then I stopped doing it. And then it's been several months, maybe a couple of years. And I think back and I think, wow, where would I be today? What would my body look like? What would my muscles be if I had not stopped doing that then? If I had been doing it all this time, all these months or all these years, where would I be? Sometimes I think about that sort of thing. Like if I had not stopped this thing I was doing that was good for me and I'd been doing it all this time, where would I be now? That's interesting. Okay, so this is related to the next one. Sorry, that last one was by Tea Time Squid. This one's by Keith SG. It says, instead of contemplating and delaying a task, do it for 10 minutes, then evaluate. It helps overcome procrastination. 
And he says, this is a tip from the book Hustle by Neil Patel, Patrick Vaskovitz, and Jonas Koffler. And it helped this person to kill procrastination. This is very interesting. I've never heard of this before. I've never heard of this advice. This is, this is fresh for me. Instead of contemplating and delaying a task, just start doing it and just tell yourself, I'm only going to do it for 10 minutes. Okay, let's do it for 10 minutes. And then as you're doing it and your goal is 10 minutes, you're kind of thinking, I'm not going to just get a quick taste. I'm going to sit down. And 10 minutes is kind of a long time when you're thinking about it. So you're doing it for 10 minutes and then maybe you just keep doing it. And then before you know it, the task is complete. And then you're going to get the the dopamine or the serotonin, whatever whatever it is, the, whatever the completion hormone is. I've accomplished something. I've been productive. And that feels good. That's the kind of thing I get uh, after I record an episode. Okay, I've, I've, I feel like I've got to record every day now. Or my day, I feel, the day feels incomplete. It feels unproductive. And I might do a lot of other stuff during the day and, and I can feel productive from that. But at the end of the day, if I think, man, I did not push out an episode today, either on this podcast or my other one, then the day feels incomplete, right? I've gotten to the point now where I've been doing this for a few months and I'm really enjoying it. And so now it's like, this isn't a difficult thing for me to do, to sit down and just pull up some stuff, hit record, and then just start talking. But there are other things that I have trouble with, okay? And and the last thing we talked about, about doing them for your future self, I will try to keep that in mind. And this idea where just do it for 10 minutes and who knows, either you'll still not be into it and you'll stop and push it off or you'll finish it. Maybe that'll happen quicker than you thought it would. Maybe it will, uh, maybe it'll take longer, but you'll find that you're enjoying it. I like that. All right. Next couple. This is by Pizza Doggy. <laughs> These names. It's funny, all these names. On Reddit, I just use my name. I just use Skylar Collins. <laughs> um, but everybody's got a username. That's just how it is on the internet. Um, okay, this one says, save money. Having at least two months of your salary and savings at all times makes your life so much easier and headache-free. If you have just a few hundred in your bank account, act like you have no money at all. This is one that I am doing a lot better now than I used to. My wife is the saver. Okay, she grew up relatively poor. She grew up in second second world, not quite third world, I guess, and not quite first world. Second world, if that's a thing. Uh, Mexico City through the 80s and 90s. And she wasn't, uh, you know, upper class or even middle class. But you learn even when you're not making a lot. Okay, and her parents didn't make a lot. But even even then, you learn to save. And you do save. Her mom, even today, is a saver. And they live here now. And it's always amazing to me how much they how much they save. Okay, I know that, you know, I know how much they make. And I kind of have an idea of where their expenses at, are at. And they just, they just minimize. They, they know how to minimize. She buys a lot of raw, fresh ingredients and prepares her own meals all the time. She's cooking. That saves you a lot of money. And, you know, they never go out to eat. They never go to movies. They never do anything like that. They never do anything fun. So they're able to save. And this, this practice, right? This, uh, this trait, this, this, I don't know, subcultural thing, this part of their ethnicity maybe was passed on to my wife. And, and so she's a saver. I wasn't, I was a spender, you know, never really saved, always spent, always spent more than I had made, made really good use of a line of credit 
for quite a while, I was, you know, pretty much line of credit financing myself, you know, every month, which, which was interesting because, you know, I had a balance there. So all the money I would make, it'd go right in there and then all my expenses would come right out. And slowly that balance owing would get smaller and smaller and then I'd buy something big and it would jump up again. So in my case, I never had a positive balance ever. It was always a negative. And then I started saving outside of that. I started saving in uh, through an, my insurance policy. I started saving, you know, like, you know, heavily every month. So that was a separate thing. And I'm able to borrow from myself, if you will, but it's not as easy as a bank. It is as easy as a bank transfer, but I got to like send a fax and stuff. So there's a little bit of, you know, a little bit of something that gets in the way of that. Um, but I'm much better at it now. Obviously, I'm making the income. I'm uh, paying the expenses and what I have left over, I'm moving over to my money market. And so every, every week I'm able to, every week I'm able to move a little bit over. Plus I've got some automatic transfer set up every month. Some of which goes to my wife's account, which is separate. And she's saving that some of which goes to the money market plus my manual money market. So I'm, I'm doing better now saving and it feels really good. I mean, I'm, I've somehow entered the state of mind where which is what I'm going to talk about next, where it's like, I really don't want to spend anything. I've become more cheap <laughs> than I used to be. And I don't know if that's just a matter of age. Okay. I'm getting older. My kids are getting older. Um, I don't know what it is. I just feel like I'm, I'm, I'm better at it now than I used to be. So the second thing here is by a guy named Cracks and Crevices. Okay. <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> and he or she say, always aim to be minimalistic, even if you can afford to be lavish. Being careless about money is one of the biggest fallouts of personal well-being and relationships. And I like that. If I need something, um, like the other day my computer was just not starting up. I don't know what was going on. I could get to the Windows login, but I couldn't get, in, get past that. I don't know what it was. I ended up having to completely reformat it and reinstalling Windows. And now, now it seems fine again. But in that moment, I was trying different things and I was hitting these brick walls and I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to have to buy something new. So, you know, this computer is important, right? There's so much I do through this and I didn't want to get something that's just going to be a problem. So I, I look and, you know, you kind of look at what's available in the used market, whether it's a classified website or Facebook or something, and you see if there's something that's maybe renewed or refurbished. Um and if you, if there's something that you know is sufficient, and then you move from there, you go you go to new. So I didn't end up buying anything because I got it fixed. But uh, probably here's here's another example. Um, I wanted to get my wife and I new phones, um, newer phones. Our phones were were getting on in years. They were Nexus Five Xs, which is a Google. The old Google phones were called Nexus. Now they're called Pixel. So I'm like, you know what? I don't want to. At the time, the newest phone was a Pixel 3a and Pixel 4 was coming out soon. But I'm like, I'm, I'm like, you know, it seems kind of ridiculous to spend that kind of money on a phone. So let's look at the Pixel 2s. And I found a couple of Pixel 2 XLs that were, Amazon calls them renewed. I guess that's their version of refurbished. So I bought a couple and they were only like 180 bucks. So rather than spending four or 500 on a new phone, we, we spent 180 bucks on these. And they've been fantastic ever since. That was about a year ago. And they're Pixel 2 XLs, so they're the bigger Pixel 2s. They're plenty fast. I just got upgraded to Android 11, which is the latest, so they're still getting all the latest updates. 
and they more than meet our needs. And I didn't break the bank to get them, right? Right. There's 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 people um, who are in this mindset that you've always got to have the latest and the greatest. And you know, for some people, that's no problem. They have enough income that they can do that, or somebody has enough income, maybe a parent, <laughs> and it's no problem. Some people have that mindset, and it gets them into trouble. So just this idea of trying to be minimalistic, trying to get the bare minimum to meet your needs. Yeah, you can go for the bigger, splashier thing, but look, you get the bare minimum, you get the $180 refurbished, okay? And then you take the other $200 and you stick it in savings or $300, okay? So anytime you want to buy something, make a big purchase, I always look for used first. I always go used. You can find really good deals. You can save a lot of money and you can get a really good product. It may take a bit of hunting if it's like a vehicle or something, um, but it'll be worth it. And then you can take the difference in what it, what you would have spent and just stick stick it away. Forget about it. That's another thing that my uh, my mother-in-law does. Whenever she happens to have cash in her pocket, she'll fold it up and she'll hide it somewhere in her house. So when you're in her house and you're looking for something, you're opening drawers and cupboards to try to find a particular bowl or plate or something you'll come across cash. And you're like, oh, here, look, here's another 20 or here's a 50. It's it's a very strange thing. And sometimes I find it in my own house. So I know my wife does that sometimes. She's she's better at keeping it in one spot than my mother-in-law is. My mother-in-law, it's just, it's just everywhere. And we lived with her for some time when we were renting our house out on Airbnb for, for a while. And I would just always come across it. I would never pocket it because it's not mine. And if anybody tells you different, they're a dirty, rotten liar. Okay, last one. I really like this one. This is by NOC Shark Nurse. Knock Shark Nurse. And I really like this one. This one this one is very close to my heart. And it's one of the things I talk about all the time on my other podcast, Everything Voluntary. This person says, love your children for who they are, not for who you want them to be. And they, they go on. They say, as parents... It is natural to want your children to be shaped and molded into your own likeness. It's easy to forget that they're still their own individual person who will have different interests, different ideas, and a different personality. They may choose a political side you don't agree with, a career you don't support, a decision you can't stand behind, and that's okay. It's easier to love a child than to control them. Help them grow instead of change. Help them learn instead of discipline. Educate instead of lecture. Remember. It is good to be a parent. It is good to be a child. And it's okay to be people too. So this is this is one of the major themes on my other podcast and on my website, uh, which hosts this podcast, everythingvoluntary.com, is this idea that people, including children, should be free to be who they are and to do whatever it is they want to do as long as they do it safely. Safe to them, safe to other people, safe to other people's property. Okay, whatever they want to do, educate them on how to do it safely and in some cases how to do it properly okay they may want to learn how to do something they may, they may want to learn they may they may be 14 going on 15 15 and they're starting to get interested in learning how to drive a car okay that's where my son's at <laughs> he turns 15 this month and i said i told him i said once you're 15 we'll get behind the wheel and we'll start doing it now he has a little bit of experience with a golf cart i've taken him golfing a couple of times and let him and let him drive me around, which, you know, my dad did for me. And that was, that was always really fun. And it does kind of prepare you a bit to handling a vehicle. Um, 
And in preparation, he even uh, he even bought some software, like a driving simulator for his computer, and he's played around with that, doing different things. So I don't know how helpful that will be. And he also bought this program on the phone that will you can load it up by state, and it will it will quiz you on all of the possible questions that you're going to get asked in your testing, right? The book stuff. So it's like 550 questions or so. And you just go through and you answer them and it tells you what the right answer is if you get it wrong. So as you go through, you're learning what you, what you need to learn. And there are times where he's he's going through that when he's got nothing else to do. So he's he's preparing for this. And now he's at this point where he's like, I want to start learning. So that's coming up. I'm looking forward to it. He is too. Um, okay. I got derailed. <laughs> uh, oh yeah. What I was talking about was just whatever they want to do, just help them do it safely. So he wants to learn to drive. I'll help him do it safely. I'll help him do it properly. And that'll be fun. Um, they say here, and I like this, it's easier to love a child to control them. I learned a while ago that if you want to have influence, true influence on somebody, then you should not control them. Because if you do control them, you will lose influence. Okay, parents control their kids, and they end up be not being the one who has any influence over them. The people who have influence are their friends and celebrities and, you know, other people, not you. And it's because for their whole life, you've been this controlling factor, and now that they have a little more power than they used to, right, they're stronger, they're older, they're more capable, they're able to start looking elsewhere. They're able to evade and avoid avoid your control. For me, I'd rather relinquish all of the control and I'd rather maintain influence. Okay, when my kids need something, they know who to come to because that's what our relationship is. It's not a relationship of command and control, which is ultimately an adversarial relationship. And you see this with so many parent-child relationships and parent-teenager relationships that they are adversarial. And it's because they're based on control, I believe. And this person may agree with me. Rather, I don't control. I let my kids be who they want to be. I let them do what they want to do. And I'm there for them to make sure they do it safely and to do it properly and to learn new things. And to facilitate their interests, facilitate their passions. My daughter came to me recently. She's like, oh my gosh, I want to start this new thing called needle felting, where you take wool and you poke and tease it and you make these little dolls out of it. And she showed me some pictures and then she, she, you know, she's already been doing her homework. I'll mention another thing here in a second. And she just wants to get like the starter kit on Amazon and there's, there's dozens and dozens of them. So we sat down together and we went through all of the available options. We paid attention to price, but we also paid attention to what you're getting, what kind of tools you're getting, how much wool you're getting, how many different colors you're getting. And, you know, she, she, my kids know how to use Amazon. They know how to dig into the reviews. They know how to compare products, right? These are, these are, these are things that they've learned because they're, they're so familiar with it. They're constantly buying their own things with their own money. And sometimes it's something that, that I will buy like this. This is something where this is a new passion. I'm going to get her started. This is my commitment as an unschooling father. I'll get you started on something. And then if this grows and you have interest, then you're going to you're already earning your own money. You're going to be willing to spend it. So I'm facilitating that. And we picked one, we ordered it, and it should be here probably today or tomorrow. And then she'll get started. She's been watching videos. She's been learning about it. Prior to this, she got really interested in getting a hamster. 
which she has. His name's Frank. Cute little thing. Pissed on my shoulder the other day. And before we got Frank, which she bought, we figured out how can we save money here? Well, we have all these bins from all of our time traveling and storing all of our stuff in our storage shed. We've got all these empty bins. Let's take one. I drilled some holes in it at the top and she set it up and she bought all her own supplies. I didn't get her started with this thing. She did this on her own. This wasn't a hobby or anything. This was this was a pet. Um, so my wife and I, we weren't really willing to, to buy it. She had to do it on her own and she in that way she can call it her own. You know, it's hers. It's her, excuse me, it's her property. So she does all of her homework, right? She's watching videos. She's reading websites about how to take care of hamsters. She knows all the facts. She knows everything about them now. So she gets it. She's taking care of it. She knows what to do. And it's just stuff like that. It's, you know, when a kid has this desire for something, when it's my kid, <laughs> I already have this commitment to help it, help them realize it, help them make it a reality. Sometimes that takes a bit of a financial commitment, sometimes not. Sometimes it, it's just me facilitating and, and they make the financial commitment and it's great. You know, I'm just, I'm letting my kids be who they are. Um, do I want them to be little clones of me? Think the way I think, have the opinions that I have, have the uh, political, you know, philosophical, religious, whatever opinions that I have, you know, in one sense, yeah, but in another sense, no, right? I think at some point that would be pretty boring. I think at some point that would be like, I'm already me. What do I want to walk around with another me for? That sounds, that sounds kind of uh, annoying, actually. <laughs> so I'm very interested in seeing who they become. None of them are, you know, politically aware or anything like that yet. And when they do get there, maybe they'll discover some of their own ideas and maybe we'll have conversations and I'll do what I can to be Socratic about it. I don't want to lecture and I don't want to propagandize <laughs> and I don't want to, I just want to probably just ask them about it and get them to explain it. And maybe they can see maybe in some ways why it's faulty and in other ways why it, you know, it, it holds. You know, and they, they know I podcast, they know I talk about these things. Maybe they'll listen to me, maybe they won't. They're going to be who they're going to be, and I think that's okay. And I think that we, here's here's the word, I've used it a few times, should. <laughs> I think that we should let them. <laughs> I will let them be who they want to be. I'm not going to mold them, you know, after my own image or an image that I prefer. All right, that's going to do it. Let's do a quick review. Remember, your office network and your office computers are being monitored. Be careful what you send. That was by MBS Open. And then we learned um, to think of your future self as a separate person and do your future self favors. And in that same vein, whenever you've got a task before you, just try it for 10 minutes. And either you'll still be annoyed and you'll stop or you'll finish it. And then you're done. And then it's behind you. And you, you don't have to say that you procrastinated it. You can possibly over time become more of a non-procrastinator than a procrastinator. I'm going to remember that one. Uh, we talked about saving money. We talked about being a bit more minimalistic than lavish in your spending. And we talked about loving your kids for who they are rather than for who you want them to be. I really like that. That's important to me. All right, that's going to do it. Thanks so much for listening and have a better day. Please send your comments or questions to thinkinganddoingpodcast at gmail.com. Please consider supporting this podcast and everythingvoluntary.com by visiting patreon.com forward slash EVC 
or paypal.me forward slash everything voluntary. Thank you.